0: From Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this is the passage we're going to briefly look at this morning from Isaiah 11, and I'll tell you, I have a sermon, I have a title for the sermon, Uh, the title goes something like this, the seeds that became the stump, that became the bush, that became the stump, that became the shoot, that became the tree of life. You see why the sermon title didn't fit in the bulletin, right? Right? Not a good title for a book or an article you might be writing, but it explains well the words of Isaiah, the fulfillment of everything that had been predicted and prophesied as Isaiah speaks in chapter 11 this morning. Now, as you look at the beginning of these words of the prophet Isaiah, realizing that Isaiah spoke 750 years before the birth of Jesus Christ... You hear the opening words of this prophecy, and you might think this sounds pretty pedestrian. It seems pretty average. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Fruit. It sounds like a horticultural reference, okay? And what follows seems to be the impressive part, but this introduction here seems to be fairly average and normal. But let me tell you something, Isaiah in chapter 11 is picking up on an image that had been running through the entirety of Scripture that begins in the opening pages of Genesis chapter 1 that carries all the way through to the final chapter of this book in Revelation chapter 22. For Isaiah the prophet is picking up on the imagery of a tree, of a beautiful tree, of a promised tree that symbolized the kingdom of God that would bring peace on earth for all the peoples of God who would follow him. This is the imagery that Isaiah picks up on in chapter 11 this morning. And so this morning, I want to talk about that picture and then just want to tell you what promise is fulfilled in Isaiah speaking in chapter 11. This is a very beautiful image. As I said, it begins in the opening pages of Genesis chapter 1. You will remember that when God made Adam and Eve, the first picture we see of God's peace and presence with them was the picture of two trees. For there in the garden with Adam and Eve was the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, Right? And when Adam and Eve fell into sin, God removed them from the tree of life. He separated them from that tree. For that tree represented the presence of God with His people that would bring peace and life for them. And so as they fell into sin, symbolically removed from God, they were then separated from this beautiful picture of God's peace with them. Now this picture runs throughout the course of Scripture. And it's one we have to be aware of if we're to understand the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and His life and His death and His resurrection. We see throughout the course of redemptive history that God first begins to describe a picture of the seeds that were planted in the soil And there are many seeds in the Old Testament Scriptures. These are the things that God would plant in His people and in their life that would portray the promises of God. And there are many of them. There was the temple. The temple, one of the seeds planted in the life of Israel that predicted or prophesied uh, the coming presence of God. And so this seed was planted in the soil. The priests, these are my seeds. The priest planted in the soil of God's people. If the temple was the presence of God, the priests were the peace of God. For they brought a temporary peace for the people of God that they might have peace with the living God. And so there's the priest. Then we begin to see the people throughout the course of redemptive history who who portrayed something of the promises of God. We see people like Abraham who's planted in the soil of God's people, and to Abraham, God said, I will give you an everlasting possession. You remember that? Genesis 17, an everlasting possession. We see other characters like Moses, okay? Moses. Moses was the promise of the righteousness of God. He is the seed of the righteousness of God that was promised to God's people that one day they would be righteous as God was righteous. And so Moses comes bringing the law. We see other characters like Ruth and Naomi and Boaz who were promised a redeemer. These are the seeds that are planted in the soil of the redemptive history of God's people. Each of them with accompanying promises that one day these things would be true. Peace and possession and God's presence and his righteousness and a redeemer and an inheritance. If you're following along in Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 11 this morning, he mentions another character. He mentions Jesse. And Jesse is described as a stump. Did you see that? Every time Jesse's name is mentioned in any of the voices of the prophets or in the New Testament he's, he's called a stump. The stump of Jesse. Who was Jesse? Okay, there's Jesse the stump. Who was Jesse? He's the grandson of Ruth uh, of Naomi uh, of Ruth and Boaz, okay? And Jesse is called a stump because a stump is is small and it doesn't seem to bring forth any life and it's insignificant and inconsequential. And if anything was to describe Jesse, it would be small, insignificant, and inconsequential. Jesse was a shepherd. And he was the father of eight boys, but he had not much to his name. He was of, of not m- much repute. He had no significance, nor was he of any great li- uh, authority in the place of Israel, but he was of the, uh, the lineage of Ruth and Boaz and of Abraham. So Jesse is called the stump. He appears in verse 1 and verse 10 of the passage this morning. Now, in the course of history... We see from the stump of Jesse emerges what I would call a bush. Not quite a tree. Okay? And this is David. David. Now if you know anything about David, David becomes the king over Israel. Remember Samuel comes to the house of Jesse and he says one of your sons is the anointed king and he goes all the way to David. David, the last son they expected. David would be the anointed king over Israel and if you remember anything about David, it is that the people of God really believed that the promises of God were being fulfilled in King David and they celebrated David as the king over Israel who would usher in the promised kingdom of God, and he would bring peace, and he would bring possession, and he would bring righteousness, and he would bring these things to bear forevermore. And so David comes, and what does he do? He slays Goliath, and the people, they say, well, Saul, he slayed his thousands, but David slayed his ten thousands. Yea, for David, the champion of God, the promised son of God. He was described as a man after God's own heart. And they celebrated him and they rejoiced in him and they saw in him the fulfillment of the promises of God. And everything was amazing until one day David falls into vile and wicked sin. And the people of God begin to notice that David is not always a man after God's own heart. And they begin to ask the question, From this man, David, will really all of these promises be fulfilled? Is God accomplishing this through David, who, wait a second, appears to have a glaring problem? That he also has sin in his heart. From David emerges a number of branches in this bush. We have Solomon. Solomon has some leaves on his branch because Solomon is a pretty good king, okay? We just talked about Solomon for like four months. Solomon, the son of David, is given wisdom, and there are many good things that God accomplishes through Solomon. The possession of the land expands, and we begin to see a growing Israel, and the people of God, they're prosperous. This is the pinnacle of the prosperity of Israel, And things appear to be going well until Solomon also falls and the kingdom is divided. And you could put like a little break in this bush, okay? And then from Solomon begins to emerge some different branches. And we have some branches that come out of Solomon and of David that are healthy branches, okay? And they also have leaves on them. These would be kings like Hezekiah. Kings like Jotham, who are good kings over Israel, who follow the Lord God, and they prepare the people to worship God. And the people still wonder, is the promise coming through these kings? But then we have other kings, and they're really ugly, hideous, terrible, dead, broken branches that grow out of this tree. We can make them dark. They're not healthy at all. Okay, They are kings like Rehoboam, kings like Ahaz, we talked about Ahaz last week, Okay, that emerge from this tree. And what you'll begin to notice through the course of redemptive history is that this tree doesn't begin to look healthy at all. As a matter of fact, it looks like, if you've ever done this before, you say, there's that bare spot in my yard, I'm going to plant a shrub there. So you go down to the landscaper, you buy the shrub, you dig the hole, you plant the shrub, and two weeks later you step out and you say, something's wrong. Maybe it's the soil, maybe it's the the hole I dug, maybe it's the tree, I don't know, but it's starting to die on one side and it's yellow on this side and green on that side and it's got leaves here but not leaves there and the thing begins to look ugly and hideous. This is what happens in the course of redemptive history to the promises of God through the kingdom that everyone believed was coming to save the people until one day God says, I'm going to bring judgment on the people of Israel through the kings and the lineage of the people and you know what if this was me i would describe this imagery as taking an axe to the root and cutting it down not exactly how god describes it in scripture listen to what he says through the prophet jeremiah in verse uh, chapter 11 verse 14 he says therefore do not pray for this people do not lift up a cry or a prayer on their behalf For I will not listen when they call to me in their time of trouble. What right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds? The Lord once called you a green olive tree, beautiful with good fruit. But with a roar of a great tempest, he will set fire to it and its branches will be consumed. The Lord of hosts who planted you has decreed disaster against you because of the evil that the house of Israel and the house of Judah have done. Did you see the imagery? Uh, God says through the mouth of Jeremiah, don't pray for this people. Don't worry about this people for I have pronounced judgment against them. They were once a beautiful olive tree, but now the tempest comes and I have set fire to the tree." And in Jeremiah the prophet and through Isaiah the prophet, there is this promised, and maybe not even promised, maybe that was missed by the people, but there is this determined truth of God that the tree of Israel would be burned to the ground, uh, left in a pile of rubble, a heap of ashes, and almost nothing would be left of the people of God carried into captivity, sent away to be exiled. And the question that remains at that moment, listen to this. Jeremiah and Isaiah, 750 years before Jesus, the people are carried into captivity. And through that time period, through the time of silence, all the way up until the birth of Christ, the question is this. What happens to the promises of God? For all the imagery and all the beautiful pictures and all the promises that God had given of his presence and of his peace and of his righteousness and of his kingdom that would reign. What happens to those things? The tree has been burnt down. There is now nothing left of it. Are the promises of God void? Have they been done away with? And what happens to the line of David? The wicked, broken, vile, detestable line of David. What happens? But this is where Isaiah picks up in the passage this morning. Here's what Isaiah says is promised, okay? From the stump of Jesse, you heard about it in verse 1, from the stump of Jesse comes a shoot, okay? A shoot, a shoot is a a small little growth. Why does Isaiah describe the coming of, of Jesus Christ as a shoot that emerges from a stump? Okay. Well, he's specifically speaking of the birth of Christ, and a shoot is small, and it has new life, but it, it seems insignificant, and it can be missed if you're not careful, and, and all of this would be a very fitting description for the birth of Jesus Christ, for you just heard read from the Gospel of Luke and of Matthew, you heard, heard read the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it goes something like this, uh, Mary was with child and she was a virgin, And she was a young teenager betrothed to Joseph. And they had nothing to their names. And there was a census that was decreed in the land. And they had to go from their home, venture to Bethlehem. And when they arrived there, there was no room for them. And they didn't have much money. And they didn't have much acclaim. And they weren't very well known. And so there was no place for them to stay. They had no family. There was no place for them to rent. And so they stayed in a barn among the animals. And there was no kings arriving to proclaim the birth of the Lord Jesus, and there was no uh, pronouncements in Bethlehem, but by the voices of angels and of shepherds, and there Jesus Christ, very God of very God, was born in the flesh. It's like a shoot that springs up from the stump of Jesse, a branch that comes forth from the root of Jesse and bears fruit. This is the beginning of the Lord Jesus Christ. For what purpose? See what Isaiah says there? He describes the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who would, by the power of the Spirit, have righteousness and and judge the nations. And he would have truth and wisdom and the fear of the Lord. But look at the purpose in verse 6. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And it continues on in the same way. You see what Isaiah is describing, that the peace that was promised from from of old, from the garden and the tree of life and the priest who interceded for the people, that peace would be realized in the shoot that sprung forth from the stump. And the description that Isaiah gives is not simply to say, wow, wolves will hang out with lambs, that's pretty cool, or lions will eat straw, who knew? It's vivid imagery that's meant to describe the people of God in the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be not only at peace with one another, but they would be at peace with those around them, and they would not attack them, and they would not hinder them or harm them, and they would be at peace in their own heart. That not only would God take away pain and suffering, He he would take away the fear of pain and suffering. That these things would be removed from the people of God from that time and forevermore. Now how is that accomplished? This is what it says in verse 9, at the end of verse 9, Isaiah says, For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You hear that? The peace of God comes through the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ, the shoot that emerges from the stump. How? By the knowledge of the Lord expanding from one end of the earth to the other. Well, how does that happen? Look at verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. You see what's being said there? If, if uh, the, the promise in verse 1 of the shoot that emerges from the stump is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what we read in verse 10 is the life and death of Christ Jesus. For it says there that when uh, this uh, root emerges from the stump of Jesse, it shall be a signal to the peoples. And you see what happens in Jesus Christ is there's this emergent tree of the kingdom of God. The word signal is a word that means a sign that is lifted up high, something that you ascend to, something that you look up to, something that stands over all the people. And as we read verse 10, the description is of the Lord Jesus Christ who would one day be lifted up, placed upon a cross for all peoples to see, that their eyes would gaze upon him, that they would see the Lord of life, the God of eternity, crucified for their sins and they would recognize that he stands now on high. And not only his death, but his resurrection, that he would ascend into the clouds and that he would promise that as you have seen me come, so one day I will return again. Jesus Christ stands as this towering tree, the kingdom of God that brings peace on earth. That imagery is now continued throughout the entire New Testament. And if you read with eyes to see, you'll begin to see how the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus is described as this great and mighty tree that towers over the people of God and brings them peace and the presence of God and possession and righteousness and their mighty Redeemer, And this tree is full of leaves and of fruit, and it gives to the people. I'll give you one example of this. Uh, The Apostle Paul says in Romans, as he's talking about the Gentiles, of which most of us are Gentiles, he says of the Gentiles, listen, you were not part of this. You were not in the people of God. But what has happened is that branches have been broken off, and you have been grafted in. To this tree of the kingdom of God, you have been put in where you did not belong, but now you have been been included in the family of God through Christ Jesus. You know what grafting is? It's the cutting of a branch and bringing it together, and you, you tape it or you glue it or you seal it, and one day, that branch takes life in that tree, and it has a new identity in that tree, and life flows from the tree to the branch. And that's the description of us in Christ Jesus. You see, the beautiful picture that is being painted in Isaiah 11 is one that would keep on giving all the way through the ends of the pages of Scripture telling us that Christ Jesus, the shoot that springs forth from the stump, one day through His death and His resurrection becomes a mighty life-giving tree that we have been grafted in and now through this great tree we have peace. Eternal peace. We have peace now that transcends understanding. We have peace now through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And we look forward to a day when one day we will fully, completely be at peace with one another, with the world around us, in our own hearts and minds we will be at peace. We've been created for that. We we yearn for peace. That's why Adam and Eve in the garden, there's the tree of life, they were made for peace. And the presence of God with them. And so when we don't have peace, we, we long for it. We long for the day when we will have peace. God has now promised us through Christ Jesus we have peace and one day we will have it fully. This is where this it brings us all the way again to the ends of the pages of Scripture. And in Uh, Revelation chapter 22, uh, John sees a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And you remember what he says there in the 22nd chapter? Here as a side note, if you're visiting with us, come back because January 8th, we're going to begin looking through the book of Revelation, okay? So there you go. If if anything is ever so exciting, looking at the book of Revelation, we're going to do that for five months, okay? So join us. But at the end of Revelation in chapter 22, John sees the new heavens and the new earth. This is the the future reality of the presence of God with us. And and one day, what this will be like, and here's how he describes it. He says, he sees God the Father, and he says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, and also on either side of the river, the tree of life. With its 12 kinds of fruit. That's Jesus and his kingdom. There was the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. Now, listen to how he ends his description of that tree. Very simply, he says this The leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. The leaves of that tree were for the healing of the nations. This is the imagery that is picked up in all of Scripture that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the promises of God who was at first a shoot from the stump becomes a mighty tree the life-giving tree that the leaves of that tree that are for the healing of the nations behold the prince of peace the great i am the lamb of god the savior of the world who brings with him peace for all humanity and so now brothers and sisters We eagerly wait for the dawning of that day when the peace that we know in part will one day be ours fully forever. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who was the promised Son of David, our King, And in him we have seen not only does a shoot emerge from the stump of Jesse, humble and lowly and meek, born in a manger, unknown to many, unheralded to royalty, yet that child born, very God of very God and very man of very man, would live a life in perfect obedience to you. He would fulfill all that you required of him and more. And he would be a king not by might and not by power and not by bringing war, but he would be a king by laying down his life, giving of himself where it was not demanded or required of him, giving of himself being sacrificed, lifted up on the cross, dying for our sin, suffering the wrath of you, God the Father. And and being buried in the grave and suffering separation from you. And three days later, being raised from the grave. Conquering death and conquering sin and raising to life forevermore. And then ascending to his throne on heaven. Sitting down as a sign of his accomplished work satisfying all the demands of the law and giving to us an eternal inheritance that if we trust by faith in you, the Lord Jesus Christ, and in you, the living God, that our sins would be satisfied and we would be given the gift of righteousness. That when you look at us, your sons and daughters, you would only see the glory and the righteousness and the beauty of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so now we have peace in our hearts. We have peace, if only in part, of the down payment and the deposit of one day what we will experience fully. And so be with us here this morning, we ask, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray all of this. Amen.